Welcome to Creativity, the podcast where art and engineering collide. In this podcast, Max Maker and I, Jeremy S. Cook, discuss uh, our creative endeavors from life, engineering, and just, just everything in general. Today we have a great guest today. His name is John Davis. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, John works in industrial controls, industrial sales, and engineering, and he also has created a couple products that kind of bridge the gap between... I guess the maker world and the industrial world. Is, would that be a fair description of you, you John? I would say so. That that works out pretty well. Great, great. Now, b- before we get started, Max, do we have a special announcement today too? Yeah, hi. Uh, we've got an announcement actually. We created a Patreon page and we have our first Patreon who is Stephen Booker. So thank you very much for your support. And if you out there want to support us as well, just go on patreon.com and search for the Creativity Podcast or follow the link in the show notes. And your support is really appreciated. And let's get on with the show now. Right. So uh, so anyway, uh, John, um, you know, we had a little introduction to yourself, but you know, first of all, how are you doing? And then what do you do on a day-to-day basis, I guess? Oh, man. Uh, well, there goes the hour for the podcast, right? I uh, tried to describe what I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm doing well, thank you. Like, like I said in the intro, I'm uh, currently in a very small hotel in the middle of nowhere. So hopefully uh, my um, uh, my internet connection stays up here. But uh, yeah, so obviously I, I travel a lot um, for my day-to-day of what I do. But to put it into a nutshell, um, I'm involved in two companies. One is the uh, uh, sales and engineering of industrial automation components. Uh, So we work with companies big and small, from the biggest to the smallest, helping them to automate uh, their manufacturing process. Uh, Companies here in the United States uh, help them to automate their manufacturing process and uh, generally try to stay uh, up to date on 21st century manufacturing. Um, On the other side, uh, we're also developing a product that you had mentioned it before in the intro. Uh, I guess the right term for it is... uh, pro maker or, or industrial maker. Those are the two terms I've heard. Um, basically taking product that allows you to use uh, uh, hobbyist type stuff in industrial environments to do whatever you want to do. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting. So what, you know, as far as your, I guess the industrial side of things is probably where you, you make your money. Is, is that correct? Kind of your bit bigger part of the company? Is that is that a yes, correct sir. statement? Yep, correct. So I guess the... Um, you know, in this world, you think, okay, microcontrollers like Raspberry Pi, Arduino, whatever. Now, now, what do you see as far as the, I mean, what runs these giant assembly lines? Is it, I mean, I, what do you, what kind of products do you sell? I bet it's Siemens. Oh, well, he, he, throws the, he, he throws he down the gauntlet. <laughs> he, he doesn't live in Germany. I mean, it's not, it's not Bosch or Siemens here. It's uh, probably, probably starts with an A, I think, right? Uh, yes. Oh, it is the the great American manufacturing company, uh, Alan Bradley, uh, for for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're you're both right. Uh, so what we see is um, uh, so very specialized type of equipment, typically called PLCs or programmable logic controllers, and uh, think of them like a uh, they're an embedded uh, specialty uh, real time hardware device, essentially. That they're pretty powerful. And uh, they program using a language called ladder logic. Uh, so imagine an old relay diagram. That's where ladder logic came from. That never really went away. And uh, you just make your relay logic now in uh, a modern graphical interface. You upload it to the PLC, and uh, you know off, you're off to the races essentially. So we get involved with that. We we don't sell PLCs. Um, to get into the the niche of the niche that we deal with, we're uh, mechatronics uh, representatives. So we do a lot with servo uh, servo motors, big servo motors. 
variable frequency drives, uh, uh, mechanical components that translate rotary motion to linear motion, all that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a whole whole different world there. It's funny when I started, when I got out of college, you know, I first learned how to program a PLC, and I thought that was really really strange compared to what I've been taught in college as far as like line by line programming. And then, but then you get used to it, and it's like this is, you know, it's really really spectacular the way it works once once you really understand it, I guess. And I think I think there's a big big gap between the two two worlds, I guess, between you know, even computer programmers and, you know, controls engineers, I guess, guess you might say. And then you've got the makers and maybe you'd call them maker pros or whatever else that say, okay, what, what can I do with my Raspberry Pi or my Arduino? You know, why can't I use this to run a, you know, assembly line or something? I guess. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I, I, I got across these uh, PLCs. I believe I have some in my heating system in my house uh, from Siemens, for example. And uh, at, at work, I, I came across them, but they just seemed so complicated to me and, and so difficult to to even get a grasp of which one I should get. Um, there, there's such a big variety of inputs and outputs uh, you can get. So uh, the first thing I had uh, when I had a project where you need a little microcontroller, I just took an Arduino and that was completely unknown to my company. Everybody was like, what is this? How, how did you do this with like in, in a week with just $100? <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think part of it is uh, rightfully earned, um, but also there's some mystique around them, too. And uh, definitely a lot of we've always done it this way, so we should do it this way. But uh, there is something to be said about I, I think companies, when they spend a couple million dollars on a machine or a process, uh, if they're spending ten dollars on an Arduino, they're probably thinking, wait a minute. Maybe this isn't the right choice. We need to spend money on this thing. But that, that's not always the case. You know, it's definitely not always the case. Sure. Now, now I think, you know, coming from a industrial background myself, you know, I guess, because before I started, I guess, doing what I do, you know, this kind of thing full time, you know, to, and in my mind, I was always very skeptical of using a Raspberry Pi or an Arduino as a primary control method for a machine. But, you know, we did see, you know, one of my colleagues, actually, we had him on the show one time, Alex, he, he started using Alex Wilson, he started using a a Raspberry Pi to do error tracking on one of our machines. And I thought that was really, really cool. And I think, I think your other business, I believe it's called 3ML is, is involved in that very, very heavily. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and like anything, I think it's a, it's a purpose built type of thing. Um, to, to be honest, if you have a life critical situation or a, a safety situation or, or even something where the process is a lot of money, um, just from a liability standpoint, there's something comforting about using a product made by a giant company like Siemens or by uh, Allen Bradley or uh, ABB or somebody like that. So, so if something does go wrong, uh, you can always point the finger at them instead of everybody pointing their finger at you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for right. it's it's all the other stuff that goes along with it. P PLCs are very good at doing um, real-time control of large, complicated systems, uh, especially if it's life-critical or safety-critical. What they're not good at doing is being flexible, uh, talking to the internet securely and easily, um, gathering data, you know, all, all kinds of stuff like that, the little ancillary things. Yeah, but right. so is Arduino. Oh, Arduino's perfect for that. Well, uh, oh, you mean it, Arduino's not easy to, to make it do that? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess it depends on, on your experience, right? Uh, uh, all of us here, I think, have a lot of experience with Arduino. Um, it, we could probably figure out a way to make it work. Or if you told me to make a PLC talk to the internet, I'm not sure that I could do that or you'd want me to do that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but now your product actually, it's the 3ML product. It actually takes a Raspberry Pi and puts it into industrial style setting, correct, with, with screw terminals and all the stuff that you'd expect with that kind of product. Is that, is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, uh, the best way to think of it is instead of a, a hat, for example, that would sit on, I think that's what they're called, sit on top of a Raspberry Pi. Uh, it's more like a, like a baseboard that the Raspberry Pi snaps into. And it's really nothing more than, like you said, uh, giving both a physical, more industrial interface, uh, so screw terminals, um, uh, uh, saddle cage terminals, that type of thing, uh, a more industrial type interface, along with all the protection that you need to hook up uh, something relatively delicate, like like a Raspberry Pi, to put it out in a plant, which is a decidedly not delicate environment. There's a lot of nasty stuff going on out there. <laughs> so, so you said from, from a reliability standpoint that uh, the PLCs are better, which I, uh, well, I, I see the same way. And uh, I, I would definitely use a PLC uh, if, it, if it was an expensive company because uh, I, I, I wouldn't want to trade off reliability versus a little bit of money that the PLC would cost. But what actually makes, actually makes the PLC more reliable? Is it the hardware or the underlying technology or is it just the manufacturing uh, quality of the boards man good good question uh i would say i i don't think it's necessarily the the manufacturing of it although um uh, there are things you can do to electronics to make them really robust in an industrial environment but I think, uh, you know, it's the year 2018. I think most companies that want to be serious in the space have a, have a good idea of how to do that or do it properly. Uh, so I don't think it's that. I think, uh, you know, I really think it goes to installed base and also, um, also trust. As silly as it sounds, it's the same reason that uh, companies will choose. I don't know if, it's, if this is that prevalent anymore, but, uh, you know, back in the early 2000s and 90s, I, uh, my background is in uh, just a brief stint in IT. A lot of companies that I worked with, they chose Microsoft at the time for their server environment over, over Linux, even though Linux was more stable. Uh, well, I should say is more stable, uh, is more secure. There's a whole bunch of reasons <laughs> to use Linux, but you can't pick up the phone and call Linus and say, Linus, we're down, uh, you know, come help us or we've had a breach. It's your fault, Linus. Uh, so, you know, I think a lot of it's just having the support structure there and all the people in the workplace who know how to use it. And then you can call a company and complain and get support. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, you know, I guess with Arduino, you know, you've got the, you've got Arduino and I guess you couldn't call uh, Mas Massimo, you probably couldn't call him or is that how you pronounce his name? <laughs> oh. and, and worse yet, worse yet, you definitely couldn't, couldn't call whatever Chinese company made your $2 Arduino Nano code to come help you. Yeah. <laughs> but you can always ask the internet, which you can't be, uh, with big industrial companies because most of their forums are locked in and you need an account and you need a password. And, you know, if you just have a quick question, you, you don't want to go to your IT department to get an account set up um, to just access their forums, which so I true. really didn't like. Oh, so, so when, you, when you worked for a bigger company, your, your internet was locked down enough that you couldn't... Access no, no, no. stuff like that. Like if, if you SolidWorks, for example, if you have a question about SolidWorks, how to use some uh, feature, the CAT software, um, you can't just go on the SolidWorks um, 
forum and, and check out their answers and uh, questions that people have asked. You have to have an account and you only get that account if you um, yeah, have like a corporate license with them. Yeah, I, I agree. Some of the CAD, the CAD software is kind of, can be kind of ridiculous, but that's that's another. You know, obviously, obviously that's a whole other bag of worms. For, they, they had the licenses and all of that, but um, just be, by buying the license doesn't mean that magically the password and the username end up on my desk. So it, it, it takes time to access this stuff, and it just makes it unnecessarily complicated, in my opinion. Because why lock away the knowledge of how to use the software? I, I, I don't see any point. I, I have seen that myself. So we're standing there uh, and something will break on the PLC. And uh, I've seen where we'll have to call the PLC company and uh, we'll ask them, uh, you know, hey, we need some support here. And the first thing they'll do, like your CAD company, is ask, okay, who are you? <laughs> and uh, do you have an account? <laughs> and second thing they'll say is, do you have a support contract? And if you don't have a support contract, uh, that's when they'll say, all right, uh, until you send us a purchase order for uh, $15,000, uh, Sorry. <laughs> so it, it's not just SolidWorks. It's other large companies like that. I think that's how they exist. Oh, man. Our, our connection's really bad, Jeremy. I can't, I can't hear you. And, and they might have hitmen um, outside of the hotel here. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, those, uh, the guys in the black van are getting closer now. I, I don't know. <laughs> Looks like a cocktail glass. <laughs> yes. I, I like uh, I like the German take on things. It is indeed a cocktail glass. Uh, so don't don't get overly technical about it. Uh, the the 3ML stands for uh, three martini lunch. So um, it harkens back to the days of old when apparently people did that uh, in business. Uh, I can assure you they don't do it now, um, which is both fortunate and unfortunate, right? <laughs> but, but the cocktail glass is also yeah. grounded, right? That's right. It's very important. Yeah, Make sure you so ground you stop, it for safety. You stop yes. drinking because it's it's standing on the ground. That, that's correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> At least several hours, so Not yes. <laughs> that's what they did in, in The Wolf of Wall Street in, in, at the beginning. What, what they of having, course, yeah. yeah. A absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as as an aside, I think because um, I, I sit on both sides of the fence, I deal with both uh, engineering and and also the commercial people, the salespeople, and I can assure you that engineering thinks that sales uh, that is precisely what we do every day. So um, th there's no uh, no qualms about it, right? Yeah, I, I never had any engineers talk uh, good about uh, the the salespeople. <laughs> That's right. I've heard the same about the engineers, unfortunately, yeah. from the salespeople. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I, I, I will say though, John, you know, I, I think the tax laws here aren't aren't too bad. I, you know, it's it's really easy. I just keep put all my stuff in a folder, and then I hand my accountant some money and them, and he gives them back to me and says says how much I need to pay for or or not pay. 
<laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Hey, lunch is the great currency. You, you can solve a lot of issues I, I with lunch. That's for sure. Think anything was too offensive. Yeah. I mean, I man, mean, that's a whole other. I, I wasn't podcast, here for part of just it. From so the I, I don't know. Standpoint if, of sales, oh. and I, I think Europe has it right. in, in this regard, for we deal a lot with uh, European companies, um, the ones that we work with and represent. And uh, their salespeople, at least from what I can tell working with them over there, um, they're engineers first and salespeople second. And I do believe yeah. that's the way we're going to have to go here in the U.S. as things move forward. Because, uh, I mean, again, I won't go off on a tangent, but the, the only remark I'll make on that is anybody can go on uh, the Internet and get information. If uh, somebody shows up and they know less than the person that they're talking to, uh, why are they there? Uh, I mean, you really need to be uh, mm -hmm. uh, as much an engineer as a salesperson, for sure. Well, how, how did you even start, start from, from having no product to getting to a, place, a point where you had a product and you were selling it? Oh, well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so I, I guess just a quick story of this whole thing. Um, my background primarily before getting involved in uh, the business was uh, the business being Paul Davis Automation, uh, obviously a, a family business. I bought it from my parents about 10 years ago. Uh, I had been in uh, software engineering before that. And uh, so I kind of grew up with uh, Linux and uh, everything from JavaScript to C to Python, C++, uh, take, your, take your pick. And um, I'd gotten into the family business uh, and really focused on that for a while. And when uh, we got that up and running and, and kind of back on an even keel, had some time to uh, kind of look around and see what was going on. And I noticed all this really interesting stuff going on with these single board computers, Raspberry Pi, BeagleBone, Arduino, um, and all the interesting things happening in the, uh, the makerspace. And uh, I had this thought uh, about four years ago. Um, talking to the uh, students I knew in university and the young controls engineers, young electrical engineers that I was working with uh, as Paul Davis Automation customers, I, I thought, you know, at some point, this stuff that these kids are learning on in school, they're going to bring it with them to the manufacturing space. And at the same time, I had had a couple of projects come through. We were dabbling in system integration and uh, uh, trying to go further afield outside of uh, just the sales business. Uh, where I had had people ask me, hey, instead of using a PLC here, I'd like to use a Raspberry Pi or I'd like to use an Arduino. Um, can you make that happen? Uh, so we looked around and found that there was no hardware uh, that really took um, any of those, Arduino, Raspberry Pi, BeagleBone, whatever, uh, and protected against an industrial environment. So at that time, uh, being primarily a software engineer, I really had no experience in um, uh, electronics. I really just kind of taught myself and uh, started with a, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Chris Gamble's contextual, contextual electronics, kind of a shout out to him, but started with that program and uh, fast forward four years and uh, I get a phone call out of the blue from Aero Electronics and they basically tell me everything I just told you about how they see uh, the exact same thing happening, uh, uh, people getting out of school, using this stuff in what they call a pro maker environment and uh, there we are. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, really from nothing to uh, getting our first uh, product in the Aero catalog and we're crossing our fingers. We, we ship it out in about a week or so um, up to Aero. So we'll see what happens. So I guess you have a distributor for this? You know, it's um, like, like any uh, vendor distributor agreement. There, There is, uh, 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 I'm not sure how much I should say or could say, but yeah, I mean, you, you want them to sell all of it. And it's very fair in how the agreement was made. And, and they do put forth a lot of effort in marketing. Um, so they've got a marketing department that is very eager to uh, help the product move. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's some buyback provisions and that type of thing, but that's that's very standard in, in uh, this type of arrangement. Uh, Arrow's not doing anything out of the ordinary there for sure. 
Well, it's always a risk for both sides. You know, they could buy a product that is uh, really bad quality or really doesn't sell well, doesn't have the right properties for the market. And you on the other side have to give them the products and hope that they're actually going to sell them and not just store them somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does no side um, any good if the product sits in a warehouse and doesn't turn. And just, uh, you know, I, I flop back and forth with my engineer hat and my my salesperson hat. But from a business standpoint, I, I totally understand why any distributor would, would do that. I mean, they, they exist on a cash flow basis. They have to turn product over. So they give it a, a very fair amount of time, a very long time um, before they have to start talking about some type of buyback. But uh, Ultimately, I mean, yeah, that would be the best situation. If they see the product is turning, they'll increase their minimum order quantities, which helps us out. We become more profitable and we sell more product and it's good for everybody. So, so that's interesting. How did you find a, a manufacturer for these boards? Oh, man. Um, it, it was a hard process. So uh, bear in mind that I'm new to all this. So uh, my experience... Like, like anybody with, would be if, if you launch a new product. Yeah, yeah, seriously, and and I had never had uh, I had never worked for a larger company in a uh, electrical engineer capacity, so I didn't even have um, you know some body knowledge to fall back on. Uh, so I had considered. So it was a relatively small run to to limit my risk and to limit Arrow's risk. Uh, we're doing a uh, a small run off the bat and see how it sells, and then we can always ramp up from there. So I had considered going uh, offshore to China, uh, like anybody would, mm -hmm. for uh, for the first production run. But I, I'm really uncomfortable with that. I, I've never sent something overseas uh, to Asia to be manufactured. Um, and being new to both electronics manufacturing as well as now outsourcing, I, I felt that there was a lot of risk with that. And from uh, the uh, the manufacturer's representative business, Paul Davis Automation, the, the sales business, I knew that contract manufacturers existed in Cleveland. And in fact, I had uh, called on them um, just over the years, the the decade I've been doing this for uh, you know random business stuff. And uh, I, honestly, I had three or four that I had had previous contact with. Um, I called up their mainline sales number, like any new customer would, and said, hey, this is what I have. Uh, would you be interested in doing it? And the one I settled on, uh, they were very professional. They, they treat me like a much bigger customer than I am. Their their price was good. Mm -hmm. uh, their facility's beautiful. And I took a tour and basically said, all right, uh, you guys you guys have the business. Well, what, what I always do when, when, when I have new parts that I need to make, I always... Um try to just send off um, requests to 15 different companies, literally 15 companies. And you always get such a wide range, or I at least get such a wide range of quotes from, you know, could be 2,000, could be 10,000. I even had a guy in Poland who quoted $20,000 uh, euros for the same batch of components. Um, Whoa. And, and then I just picked, you know, obviously the cheapest or the one that I trust most uh, if two are at a similar price level. But it's amazing how differently companies quote the same exact parts. It is crazy, isn't it? It, it makes you wonder um, uh, whether, yeah, it, I, I've run across companies before where they just don't want business. They feel like they have to quote something, but they'll quote you a price and like, hey, if we get it, that'll be a great payday. Yeah. But uh, we really don't want your business. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've definitely run across that before. Jeremy's gone. <laughs> 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 well, while we're while we're waiting uh, for Jeremy to come back online, uh, what do you do, Max? I, I shouldn't have asked before. I apologize. Oh, I should have yeah, asked before. Well, I apologize. Um, uh, I make uh, draw slides for caravans. Uh, I'll show you the website. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, well, it's, it's always a trade-off. You know, at, at the beginning, I I made them just myself in my workshop, and wow. um, yeah, one, two, or three, uh, that was good enough. But um, I did make a lot of money on them. 
But now, like, if if I hit 100 per order, I get decent prices. Sure. 100 units. But it's always so difficult, you know, approaching a company. Most of them have, you know, giant customers, and they don't really care about an order for 500 euros. <laughs> yeah, it's big for you, but it's not big for them at all. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Wow, these are really cool. I, I'm looking at uh, some of the uh, use pictures you have here, and um, what a good idea. Uh, so how did you come up with this? Uh, my dad wanted something like this uh, for his caravan. He wanted um, huh. a draw system. He didn't want to climb into the garage. Like at, at the back of the caravan, there's this big opening, um, mm -hmm. which is called the garage. And uh, he didn't want to have to climb in there to reach stuff. So he wanted drawers that go on the outside. And um, there wasn't a product out there that sold really long lightweight drawers so i yeah just built one and i didn't like my job at the time so that was a perfect excuse to quit and start my own thing yeah no no kidding um were, are you a mechanical engineer or what's what's your uh, yeah, background product design engineer ah, it's a mix okay. of uh, mechanical and uh, industrial design yeah and what i found what, what the best marketing for for, for me is uh, just the google uh, ad adverts I pay yeah. 400 euros a month for ads uh, on Google and that's all the marketing I do. And it's so effective and hassle-free because I, I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to call any companies. The customers just come straight to, to my website. That is interesting. We, we had dabbled in um, Google AdWords for a, another business that's not related to electronics that I'm involved in uh, just by resale on the internet. And um we were spending a lot more than that, but it's a, a much, much smaller niche. And um, ultimately, we decided to go a different route with uh, uh, with our marketing money. But I, I, was, I don't think it was Google's fault. I mean, what we were selling into was a very, very small niche. Um, and I, I don't think it was effective for that. But I could see how it, it would be effective for this. Uh, I, I can't wait to try it out with something like... Um, uh, well, with 3ML or maybe another business if it works. But 400 euros, that, that's a great return on investment. Wow. Yeah, cause, and, and it's so easy, you know. I don't have to print flyers and drive somewhere. And, uh, in, you know, wherever I go for like a little trade show, I have to spend a fortune and spend a lot of time. And, <clears throat> and this way I get direct sure. customers, which is the best because I make like 30 to 40% extra on every sold item. So Heck yeah. yeah I, 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 I didn't really, I never believed that Google Ads would work because I never click on them. Never, never, ever. <laughs> yeah. People do, Everybody apparently. It's crazy. <laughs> so is the body of this looks like it's made out of um, uh, something we see a lot in uh, the industrial world. It's extruded aluminum, yeah. it looks yeah. like. Okay. Uh, like aluminum profile, I think is actually the technical name yeah, for it. Yeah, they, they call it 8020 profiles in, um, oh, in yeah. America. And uh, we've seen a lot of uh, German imports too. I know uh, Item is a big yeah. one, and uh, Bosch, of course, is big. Uh, there's one out of, out of Austria, R Robot Works, I think, is the Austrian company I I've don't seen know as them. well. But you know, Item, they wanted for the profiles I used, they wanted the cheapest they want to offer was, I think, nine euros per meter, and I get it for okay. two meters. Um, yeah, two meters flat, one ninety nine per meter. Per from Whoa. just some Whoa. company that buys the same stuff in uh, China, ships it over here. So they've got the reliability about the steel and all of that, um, or the alloy. Yep. Um, but it's just much cheaper. And, you know, what a <laughs> company. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. We, we've had uh, um, actually significant dealings here with uh, Item in the U.S. And, yes, they, they are a company that is for it's, sure it's super expensive it's not even <laughs> good stuff that. i don't even like this stuff and i, I won't use it anymore <clears throat> because now i discovered that uh, laser parts are so cheap suddenly they 
they yeah. can laser two millimeter aluminium and I, I get the same stuff but you know it's completely done i don't have to machine any on it and i don't have to drill a hole or cut it off it, it just comes and and it's good to, good to use so yeah that's what i'm going for now oh yeah absolutely um it, do you have machining capability in your shop or i guess what all do you have to do is it just assembly when you get yeah it I, I assemble them i have two people that assemble them with me I can't even send Jeremy the email. Uh, he, he asked me if, if he should restart, but okay, it's gone now. I hope he comes back. Yeah, the profiles at the moment, I just cut them to length. Then I fret the ends um, just with the cordless drill. And then I start assembling. Mm -hmm. That's all the machining I do. Oh, and I drill one hole with the CNC. So uh, yeah, clamp it in the CNC, press press uh, enter. It starts cutting, then take it out again, and that's it. But yeah, on, on the next 100 batch, um, I will just get laser parts oh sure it makes it so much easier oh yeah yeah these item profiles they're pain because there's just no way to connect them <laughs> cheaply as well no no we had a a long long time ago one of the uh the manufacturer so uh i had mentioned i took over uh the family business i bought it for my parents they retired um and that was about 10 years ago uh, prior to that, uh, this was maybe 20 years ago, they had dabbled in a small manufacturing company where they were using aluminum profile like this to make uh, safety guarding for machines. And I remember they we had a, a machine shop and everything else where, um, and I would help out when I was a, when I was a kid, where we'd have to figure out how to attach this stuff to each other. And we did this same thing. It was um, trying to figure out uh, strong ways if you couldn't use T-nuts for whatever reason to, to get this stuff to work up. And yeah, we, we did a lot of machining on that stuff. I, I definitely understand what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, these T-nuts. <clears throat> I, 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 I buy them in China, um, but they sent me a batch that's just really horrible. I have to file every one, every single one. I have to file down a little bit to get to fit. But I, oh. I bought 2,000 and I don't want to throw them away. So I just file every single one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, uh, how is it owning a small business in, in the EU? I've, uh, I don't have much interaction with small business owners. Everybody I deal with from the EU seems to be these giant companies. Um, uh, is it is it easy? Is it is it hard? I, I guess how is uh, well, it? Well, it's it's hard. Definitely, any business is hard. I think if it's your own. But yeah. um, yes. yes, yeah. I mean, tax wise, it's okay. I, I pay normal taxes. I don't get any incentives or anything like that. And yeah, well, I I think this is the only product that I could really do without a big financial risk. Uh, I looked at a lot of ideas, yeah. but this was the only one I could you know start with very little money. Not that I didn't earn enough, but just I didn't want to risk like fifty grand. Uh, to start a business sure um, because it could just as well go wrong or i, I come across some hindrance yep. like somebody has a patent on this and then it, it's all for nothing it, it's convoluted in the u.s when it comes to the tax law because I, I think our tax laws are a lot more complicated um from i could be very wrong about that because I, I don't know but from what i understand just talking to other um uh eu members yeah, it, it, we we can get a lot of benefit uh, if you hire a tax person and know how to take advantage of the loopholes and all that. But um, it's it's a massive pain. It, it's a huge pain. I always tell people if they uh, if they want to work eighty hours a week but uh, really enjoy it while they're doing it, start your own business. If you want to work forty hours a week and have a nice weekend, um, maybe work for somebody oh, yeah. else. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> I, I, I will yeah. say though, John, you know, I, I think the tax laws here aren't aren't too bad. I, you know, it's it's really easy. I just keep put all my stuff in a folder, and then I hand my accountant some money <laughs> and them, and he gives them back to me and says says how much I need to pay for or 
or not pay. <laughs> That's exactly the same here. Yeah. <laughs> what what I what I found out really early here with the taxes in Germany, um, there is no way of not paying them really. Like you can go this route, but then they get the taxes in the other way, or you can go this route and then they collect the taxes here. So whatever you do, you still end up paying the taxes unless you start a company somewhere on the Cayman, the Cayman Islands. Ha. Yeah, and I, I think the it's much the same way here. I mean, uh, it's it's death and taxes, right? The only two certainties in life. Uh, I think the the differences, and and I've had. Uh, one uh, one instance comes to mind of a, a younger friend of mine who started his own business. In his first year, he said, "Oh my gosh, I, I paid all of my like every last cent of my profit to taxes this year. Like I I came out at the end of the year and my my net income was below the, the poverty level." I said, "Well, do you have an accountant?" He said, "No, I, I just did it myself." I said, "Well, okay, that that's your issue." And he said, "Well, you still have to pay your taxes, right?" And I said, "Of course, you you always pay your taxes, but." Uh, and, and this goes back to my comment about the complication of the U.S. US tax code. Uh, as a business owner, uh, it's—I mean, if you, there are people that you will pay money who they will find a way to maximize your your investment, and there can be certain write-offs, and there can be stuff you can defer into the next year, and you can, uh, you know, this, that, and the other thing, timing of income, and all that stuff. And you pay your accountant fifteen hundred bucks, and they take care of that, and all of a sudden you find out uh, you have a lot more money in your pocket at the end of the year. So. Mm -hmm. Yep, <laughs> and you don't have to deal with the taxes because I think that's the worst worst part of the job dealing with anything that's accountant. Oh, accounting. Oh yes. yeah, I I hate it. <clears throat> my, my accountant, he has a a little cartoon at his desk. It says it's like a guy with a a sandwich board. You know, like he's begging for money. It says, "I did my own taxes." <laughs> you know, so, so give me some money. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, I uh, haven't done mine in many years, which. I feel like I should be able to as an engineer, you know, you think, okay, I could figure this out, but you know, the return on investment just isn't there to figure out everything involved in, in what they can do, <laughs> what they can do. You, you know, what, what I sent to my accountant is just the bills. So the bill comes in, it says like 200 euros and then it says the VAT and all he does is open that file read off that number, the $200 and, and, and the VAT puts it into his software and then at the end of the day, yeah, he, he does whatever he has to do with with the um, the how's the bureau called uh, the, the the tax division um, mm. that office. And I feel like how boring is that? Looking at bills all day long and just writing down these two numbers. I, I think it sounds like a horrible. I mean, they get paid well; it's a good profession. But I personally wouldn't want to do it. Some people, I no. guess, enjoy it, but it's not not really my cup of tea as they say no way and, and these are smart people you know really smart people and they just have to write down these numbers <laughs> well you know it's probably like when when we go talk to people and uh we're like hey we found this bearing material that is absolutely incredible you wouldn't believe it at all these temperature ranges and all that. it is like the next best thing, blah, blah, and we go on and on about uh you know a mosfet or a uh, bearing material or, or whatever right and uh they're probably looking at us going that is the most boring thing how does that person do that every day it's incredible <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but that stuff that stuff's interesting though that's, that's what people don't understand <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh, I, I was and you know, go since, ahead, Max, since, I'm sorry. since I do manufacturing, all my bills are you know, I have few bills, but they're large. So like I, I buy aluminium for a few thousand and that's one bill. I wonder how small businesses do it that buy small stuff every day, like restaurants. Every time you go to the grocer to buy some cucumbers, somebody has to type in these numbers into a computer. 
You know, maybe, maybe I can answer that a little bit because I, I buy a lot of random small stuff for my business. And I guess it's like everything else. I just have, I put everything on my credit card or my business debit card. And then, then I hand it to my accountant, just like, <laughs> just like you. <laughs> no, but, but I, I mean, you know, if it's a business expense, okay, that's not part of your profit. It, it's a pretty simple, I, I imagine it's a pretty simple calculation. I guess I don't, I guess I don't really know. Yeah, but, but that's you know that's, but, that's but twenty dollars that you they need to bill. They need the receipt. They have to look at every single receipt. They can't just take your credit card information. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I don't know. I, I I give my accountant what he wants, and he tells me something else. That's that's probably not a good thing to admit. I guess he could tell me anything he wanted at this point. So uh, <laughs> I don't think you listen to my podcast. Our podcast. No, I always finish <laughs> finished phone calls with him with like, yeah, sorry that you have to do that. <laughs> you know, I think I'm much in the same boat as Jeremy. And uh, I, man, I, I have uh, bugged my accountant a little bit about this. Um, maybe it's my way of getting back at him when he insists on explaining to me the tax code for 20 minutes. Uh, so I, I get him back by asking him little questions about what he does. But I, I think there's, I know what he does is he broadly categorizes these items into uh, well, let me let me back up. From the tax code standpoint, they're only or he's only concerned about, and therefore I should only be concerned about what is tax deductible and and what's not, right? So you you have to make the books balance at the end of the year. Um, so that's important, just so you keep a good ledger. But um, the other side of it is, and and broadly, uh, all my expenditures get lumped into. All right, is it uh, is it something that is going to influence your taxes or is it not? And then from there, it's okay. What is it? Is it software? Is it hardware? Is it for resale? Is it not for resale? And then once it gets below that level, it's not really, um, it, yeah, is it cost of goods sold or not? It's not really uh, that well defined. It's not that granular. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's the same way in Germany or not. I don't. I have no idea what he does. I, I really don't. <laughs> I think most most of the stuff he does is he deals with the uh, agency, uh, the, the government agency yep. that uh, deals with the taxes, and they send weird letters like. Uh, your, your application was denied. It, it, it says your, your application was denied. And I'm, I'm like, what do they mean by this? And they said like, oh, yeah, um, you used to have to report every month. And now you just have to report every fourth month. So we tried to report after the third month. And they said, yeah, you don't really need to do that. Every fourth month is okay. But instead of just saying that, they said, yeah, application denied. <laughs> <laughs> They speak a different language, and I, I think he speaks it. So it's nice that I don't have to deal with it. I I, I don't have to deal with yeah, taxes. I, I really don't. All true. I need to know is that I need to keep a healthy margin, like uh, maybe four four times the the costs that you have uh, should be a retail price, and and then I'm good to go. I, I think ultimately that's what it comes down to, right? And uh, the most important thing about the business is: are you selling product, and are you selling it at a profit? And if you are, you can uh, you can solve a whole lot of problems that way. A lot of things just disappear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you just th- throw money at it, right? That's uh, that's how business works. <laughs> <laughs> yes, to all the engineers out there, this is, we have explained business in a nutshell. Throw money at the problem until it goes away. Uh, business school one hundred and one done. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, now, John. Now, John. Let's say you know you you've made the leap from I, I guess being in a medium sized company to starting your own company, selling stuff on smaller smaller level, and then it seems like. You know, now you're, I guess, taking that to a slightly higher level. Hopefully, hopefully, a very much higher level. How how would somebody, if they wanted to get started in that, what would you say the first first step or maybe two steps is? 
if I wanted to go from maker to maker pro, I guess. What do you, what do you think that's, that is? Sure. Well, I, I'd be interested in Max's take on this too, because I think him and I, uh, you know, in similar type of, uh, uh, similar type of roles, although he's uh, definitely further down the path. The, the biggest issue I see with people wanting to go out on their own is that they, uh, uh, they just, they don't, um, either it's, they, they want to come up with a perfect business plan or they think it's out of their reach and they, they can't do it. And that is, that is further from the truth, uh, or couldn't be further from the truth, especially nowadays. Uh, I mean, for a relatively small amount of money, I set up a small electronics, uh, development lab in my basement, complete with a reflow oven and, and everything else. Uh, and certainly, I mean, it wasn't, um, it wasn't thousands of dollars. It was maybe a couple thousand bucks. And I, I had enough capability to do most anything with with electronics unless it was something very complicated which which i wasn't getting involved in uh, i went on the internet and learned uh, everything i need to do and then from there i met people who could fill in the gaps and mentor me and teach me of the things i didn't know and uh my first product was was horrible the first stab i did at this was an absolute piece of garbage and um <laughs> 15 iterations later uh it's actually a pretty good product. I've had it independently uh, reviewed by uh, engineers who do that type of thing for a living. The design is sound, the design is good, and uh, it's 100% mine. So it's taken four years and, and anything is gonna take time. I mean, that, that's the other thing. You, you have to get started now, you can't wait. And then you have to expect to be involved in it uh, for a period of time. Uh, most small business owners that I've met who have started from scratch and worked up to uh, what many would consider a successful business, the magic number seems to be about 10 years. Um, so you got to stick with it through the the bad and the good. Oh, yeah. And it could be sooner than that. But I mean, it, it's not something that's going to happen in a year. Uh, you're invested for a decade or more. That, that's what I've seen. How about, how about you, Max? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a very long process. You have some really bad days where everything uh, is not working out right. Um, but you just have to stay at it. And I, I think the most important thing is, um, if, if you think, okay, this is the plan, this is what, what is going to happen. I've got this idea and then I'm going to sell it and I'm going to manufacture it um, and, and people are going to buy it and this is what's going to happen. That's not what's actually going to happen. Um, you think you're going one way, but um, your business will go exactly a different way. Um, something <laughs> that you could never expect and you will find that the demand is maybe there for a completely different product. Um, or the manufacturing should go to a completely different place, or your market is completely different. You're, you're targeting the wrong people, and the money is actually somewhere else, and, and the manufacturing process is something else that you thought uh, you would have at the beginning. Um, that, that, that's one thing that, that I found, that you really can't cl- uh, plan it, and you have to stay at it um, until you figure out what the right path is for your product or your business. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think you guys are both wrong. I, I think from what you guys have said, it's find, find a good accountant. That's that's the number one rule. <laughs> yes. Work. Also that, find a good accountant. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and um, ob- obviously, if you start a business, pick something with low competition. You know, I've, I've had friends of mine starting a t-shirt company and I just think that's the worst possible thing you could do starting a t-shirt company. There are t-shirts sold everywhere for very cheap Everybody has cool designs. Where could be yeah, your yeah, unique but, selling points with your t-shirts? But Max, their design was so clever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so nobody is doing oh, it yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they developed a brand, their, their own brand. That's just what they did. Nobody knew the brand, obviously, and friends and family bought it. And also the, the, the sheer amount of volume you have to buy to sell something with a low uh, profit margin. 
you know you have to buy a full container load of t-shirts just to break even you you can't and, and yeah. you won't start selling a whole container you will start selling maybe one one a month or five a month <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. De- definitely don't don't do that. Um, you know, I think the other part of it too is that it's easy to underestimate. Uh, well, that's actually a really good point. It's easy to underestimate the if you're an engineer, it's easy to underestimate the business side of things. If you're a business person, it's absolutely easy to underestimate the engineering side of things. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll pick on accountants. Maybe maybe if you're you're a professional like an attorney or accountant, you're you're going to underestimate the manufacturing side of things. Uh, there's a lot of risk in starting your own business and. I mean, one of the other things I tell people is, yeah, every every aspect of what you're going to be doing, even if it is making T-shirts, you really need to go find somebody from every um, aspect of that, whether uh, it, it, as mundane as it sounds, the, the accountant or uh, a manufacturing person, uh, a screen printer. Uh, go talk to them about how their, their process works because uh, the things that you think are easy are going to be incredibly hard and the things you think are hard are probably going to wind up being easy so mm-hmm. uh, just assume you know nothing is a good place to start <laughs> that's that's good it's good stuff and for suppliers um, definitely keep looking for cheaper options because they're always out mm. there but not but not do cheap because you need to be able to yell at who whatever plc manufacturer or at least uh, Arduino if you can't find the chinese supplier then you're just <laughs> out of out of luck <laughs> yeah, I wonder, is there a good Arduino that you can buy? Is the original Arduino more reliable? I, I, having bought both, I mean, I think I think some of the, I, I don't know, if, if you if you buy an Ar- original Arduino Uno, you'll notice some of the markings on it are pretty good. It, it comes from a few like, uh, how can I put this? You can tell it's really well done, but is it worth 10 times what a knockoff is? That's, that's your decision, I guess. So... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't want to talk too bad about it because they've they've really developed quite a amazing ecosystem and stuff. So it's hard to I don't know. I guess I guess that's the downside of you know putting your product out there as open source. You know, people can make knockoffs, and they're really not knockoffs. They're they're legal to make. You know, so it's even though you've put a lot of effort and time into the ecosystem and the um, <clears throat> programming software and such. It's how about you, John? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think it depends on what you're doing with it. Um, uh, I've used Arduino's in industrial applications before, mainly again for data gathering and and that type of thing. I know that uh, temperature is is a big thing with electronics and industry, and there aren't like well, going back to Germany's example about the Arduino Uno, there's not a huge amount of components on that board, but. Uh, so you can't skimp on a lot of stuff. I mean, an Atmel processor is still an Atmel processor, uh, mm-hmm. whether you get it from, you know, some market in Shenzhen or you buy it from DigiKey, at least in theory. Um, but <laughs> the other stuff you can skimp on, like uh, capacitor temperature ratings, maybe, uh, you know, those X7R capacitors are pretty expensive. Maybe um, you can get something cheaper and put it on there. And there's really no way to know because that stuff isn't marked uh, as such, especially all the surface mount stuff. So anyway, that that's a long way of saying um, if I were going to do something – uh, for a client, let's say, where I was going to stick an Arduino out in a factory. Yeah, I'd probably spend the extra money and get it for an Arduino or get it from Arduino. Um, if I was going to stick something in my mailbox to tell me every time the mailbox was opened, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll save 10 bucks. I'll give it a shot. I mean, why not, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in my previous project, I, I broke three or four Arduinos just by reverse polarity and stuff like that or shortening it out by accident. So I'm, I'm glad I used yeah. the really cheap ones for like three euros each. 
<laughs> well, re- remember we uh, we talked about Sam battle to look mum no computer. He's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I bought a hundred Arduinos, but Not you know, like five more. of them were trash. Yeah, he bought, more. <laughs> bought three hundred. Whoa! <laughs> but but he was saying that you know, well, you know, just a couple of them are trash. Obviously, just you, you just you just accept that with with that type of thing. And yeah. Maybe you don't with a genuine <laughs> genuine processor or genuine article. You know, maybe that's a good segue into um, you know, try, at the end of the show as we try to kind of ask what everybody's been working on. So I guess what's what's this project you're working on, Max? Uh, well, I'm, I'm making a... Or maybe you can't say. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't really say too much. It, it, it's a, a camera slider for a customer. That's all I can say. And it runs on Arduino. And um, yeah, I went a different route. I didn't do any of the soldering myself. Um, I bought a um, Rams 1.4 board, which is the typical board that you have in any 3D printer. And you can buy these kits really cheap. I think I paid 70 euros for the board with the display and three stepper motors. And the cool thing is it's all plug and play. Um, I don't have to do oh, any soldering. And if the, uh, I... if the uh, servo drivers, uh, the stepper drivers, if they break, I could just pop a new one in and it will work again. Oh, that's great. Wow. So now what, what, what about you, John? What have you been working on this week or this month? Oh man! Be, besides uh, getting the rhubarb out of production and and shipped off to uh, shipped off to Arrow, um, the project right now, which it's been the project for the past year, I just haven't had a huge amount of bandwidth. Um, I, I came across a, uh, it's called a gain clone. Um, it was a series of amplifiers based on uh, I don't think it was this chip initially, but it's the same type of chip, like the Texas Instruments LM thirty eight eighty six, which is a really high fidelity uh, audio chip. Uh, Class D amplifier, and uh, designed an amplifier uh, around that chip um, that sounds really good in my living room. So right now I have uh, uh, three circuit boards, a a high power uh, um, DC rectifier that I built with a transformer with uh, two audio channels with everything kind of cobbled together. Uh, sitting on top of my old stereo receiver, which is what you would buy from a store and is nice and safe. And I just tell my kids, like, don't <laughs> touch that. Whatever you do, don't touch it. But it, it sounds really good and it's really loud and it's it's awesome. But just don't touch it because it might kill you. And they're like, okay, dad, you know, whatever. But um, oh, that's the, great. the project- That's great uh, they listen to you on this. Well, some, sometimes, you know, yeah, yeah. But uh, the project right now is to get that all into a really nice enclosure and finish up the control board, which is based on a, a Teensy that'll control the VU meters and the, the buttons and all that stuff and, and make it considerably more safe so that my uh, kids make it past the age of seven. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you going to use for the case? Uh, well, I'm going to uh, uh, going to make it. So I'm, I'm a, uh, a woodworker as well, or, or at least an amateur one. And um, I think what I'm going to do, I think... Uh, is do like a, a hardwood case and make it look kind of a mid-century modern. Um, eh, forget the radio I was going to base it off of, but picture like a nice rectangular uh, kind of hardwood case, mid-century type modern uh, receiver box with a uh, brushed aluminum panel on the front of it. So we'll, we'll see. Oh, sounds nice. Well, in theory, well, it's not, it hasn't made it out of Fusion yet, Fusion 360, so we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it, it always sounds good in your head, right? Oh, man, it, it sure does. It sure does. Uh, how about you, Jeremy? What are you working on? Yeah, I guess um, the biggest thing I'm working on, I made, um, I've had it in my head for a while. It's finally starting to come together. I made this Omni robot with uh, four Omni wheels on it. So it's got, a, it's got four servos or four steppers. And in theory, it should be able to slide left, right, forwards, backwards, and turn, and everything. So it should be, should be really neat. I, um, I guess the only thing is, once I got it put together, it's like a circle about twelve or exactly twelve inches in diameter. And I was like, 
this I've just created created a Roomba, which I guess is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know i was i was slightly disappointed at that when i i found out what i'd made but you know they're they're nice and roombas can't actually slide left and right so hopefully people will recognize just how cool that is without me having to explain and bore them with with the details <laughs> um but no it, it should be pretty cool i got some neat plans for it so hopefully that'll that'll be good that's well, I, awesome. I hope it will move move easier than your strand piece. Yeah, those are very, <laughs> very, very slow. But they look they look cool when they move. So oh, they do. Yeah, when may, they maybe move. the strand beast, maybe maybe one of them will ride on top of this thing, like like the cat on the Roomba. It'll be the the <laughs> the, uh, the strand beast on the Roomba riding around. I I think you just made like that's the birth of a meme right there. That's the next internet sensation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I definitely hope so. It's um. <laughs> You guys heard it, heard of it here first, I guess. So that's right. I um, I really liked your stacklight project. I think that was one of the the neater things that I've seen uh, lately. That that was the uh, music response uh, stacklight, right? Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, yeah. that's right. It was really cool. Um, you know, its its original purpose was, I guess, just you know, my head. I knew this would never really work. I, I guess you know, you got young kids too, John. But it's like I was like, you know, sometimes when I'm working in my office at home, they're a little bit too loud and need me be quiet. I can just have the stack light that, you know, it, it, it gets up to the top of its limit and then it starts like, you know, going like red and blue, like the police lights. But, you know, naturally <laughs> this, what this means to, means to the kids, young kids is, well, let's see how loud we can get and make sure we can hit the target. And um, so it was a lot of fun, but, and it was a lot of fun. And I appreciate you saying that. I, th I think it did look really good, but at the same time, it wasn't exactly, um, you know, it, w it didn't exactly work for what it was originally intended. <laughs> right, Ex exactly. Yeah. So what you're saying is it was a it was a kid sound normalizer. They just normalized their volume to uh, peak all the time, and uh, and that's what they did, right? <laughs> that's a that's a good way to put it. So so yes, yeah, so if you if you guys want your kids to scream even more. Just make sure to build one of the, one of these devices. <laughs> did, did that thing sample uh, the sound level over a time period? No, it's it's like instantaneous sound level. So, but yeah, you, yeah, you should just... use that maybe. That's what my car does. Like uh, it, it measures the acceleration and deacceleration um, and the speed over a long period. And the longer you drive, the bigger the chance you you have that it actually goes down. Huh. Oh, as far as the uh, miles per gallon or, mile, or yeah, kilometers if, if per I, gallon, I guess. Yeah, because if I kilometers accelerate. Kilometers per, per liter, I suppose you say, <laughs> over there. Uh, liters per hundred kilometers. That's what oh. we measure, yeah. Okay. But, you know, obviously if I accelerate once, um, it will tell you, oh, you use a lot of fuel. But then if I drive slowly uh, or more con um, conservative for a few miles, um, that will just tell me, oh, it's, yeah, you're driving conservatively. So it, 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 it takes the consumption over a longer time period. Uh, and then it tells right. me like, oh, yeah, you did well. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Now, now you, drive a, <laughs> you drive a Mustang, correct, Max? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, American Mustang. I, I like you, Max. <laughs> that, that's good. <laughs> uh, well, um, I, guess, I guess to, uh, well, first of all, I guess we need to talk about are uh, a little Patreon deal. Um, <clears throat> so before I close everything out, so, yeah, so Jeremy, first of why, all, why do we need to take donations from people? Okay, because I guess it, it costs money to uh, to actually host this and stuff, and you know we're spending our time to do this. I, but you know I don't I don't want to say like oh you have to say that you know we're doing this for free we enjoy it but it does cost money. 
Um, Why does it cost money? I, I can download it for free. Well, that's a, that's a good point. Um, you know, because we have to host it, I guess. It's the hosting costs money. SoundCloud costs money. Zencaster costs money. And uh, obviously, we lo love doing this, but a little bit of support would be really nice. So we want to thank Stephen Booker, who is our very first Patreon. And we hope uh, he gets a few other people that join him and being one of our yeah, Patreons. Yeah. And, and, you know, actually, you know, some, one thing about this is what we're going to do is the top five Patreons that we have you know, every time we do this, we'll actually give them a shout out on the show. So that could be like your name, you could put your company name, you could put some some fake name that you've made up. In fact, I'll, I was thinking, Max, if, if you want, I'll do like a, a demo besides Stephen, yeah, Stephen yeah. Booker, how, how who, who we're, like? we're calling him out right now. All right. So, so just, just these people I've made up. It's So um, at the end of the show today, I'd like to thank our Patreons and the thanks to Thomas Smith, Ninja77, Jim's Hot Glue Emporium, Roxy, and Max's uncle Klaus. What, what do you think about that? It's, that Very sounds nice. Pretty... Thank you, Uncle Klaus. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate it. And if, if you're a big tool company, you can also just send us each a cordless drill, and we'll be happy to to name you for the rest of the year. <laughs> right, right. And we have several levels. I think the top level was ten thousand dollars support. It was the uh, okay bad return on investment. And um, <laughs> you know, what, what we'd be happy to have that. Money for? I think um. I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll fly to Germany and we could do the uh, the podcast live or yeah, we can, yeah. So we'll see. Fly business class, um, obviously. So it's good use of the money, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, Bitcoin. I, I've heard that's a hot thing. Bitcoin. Oh <laughs> a yeah, good, a sound yeah. investment too. Yeah, it it is a sound investment, just like Tesla. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> <laughs> John, John, so, do, do you drive a Tesla? Did, did I just? No, no, I don't. I, I'm just saying that uh, I, I feel sorry for you. The uh, the wave of uh, internet uh, Tesla fanboys that are going to come after you both now. Oh man, oh man. Did <laughs> 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 the, the RIP your email inbox? <laughs> People do have a strange loyalty to that. I mean, I shouldn't say strange. They just have a loyalty to that brand. So good, good for them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a great car. I think. Um, I've really liked it when I've driven one. Um, it, it was a really great car. I just don't think it's a good investment buying Tesla stuff. But, but also, um, I have to say, I, I just ordered an Elon Musk t-shirt where he smokes a joint and um, the smoke that he um, exhales uh, transverses into a, um, a universe, you know, like one of these pictures that the Hubble telescope takes from far, far universes. Well, yeah, that's, I, uh, I, I bought interesting. that on Instagram. Is that your friend's t-shirt company? That was <laughs> no, very clever. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is, uh, I think, I, I don't know the company. I think it was called Odea. It's an American company, I think. And they make all, all kinds of cool prints, so... Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's good to hear you're supporting your uh, your friend's endeavors. So. <laughs> you know, I, I think we'll uh, have to talk to our accountants to see, or maybe that person should talk to their accountant to see if they have to pay uh, Mr. Musk a, a, a royalty fee of some type. <laughs> that's a good question. That's a really good question. So, so John, if, if somebody wants to get in contact with you or i guess don't get in contact with him just buy his products where can you buy your, <laughs> if his, somebody wants to buy, buy your products, products. <laughs> well how do they do it so i uh, if you would like to uh buy the rhubarb when it's released uh uh towards the end of november uh arrow.com and search for the rhubarb I, I have to believe that uh has to be a pretty unique search string on arrow.com uh, they probably don't have a lot of other things named rhubarb so uh search for the rhubarb or if you want to reach out to me directly uh i am uh 
John P R Davis uh, on Twitter, uh, which is a mouthful, but J O H N uh, P is on Papa R is in Romeo Davis uh, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to get me. Um, or you can go to the 3ML website, uh, T-H-R-E-E-M-L.com. Nice. And what okay. about yourself, Max? Yeah, well, uh, one thing we didn't mention this whole episode is that both Jeremy and I, we do YouTube videos, each on our own channels. So you find uh, Jeremy um, at Jeremy S. Cook uh, on YouTube and myself on uh, it's just the Max Maker channel on YouTube. Yeah, Very if good. you want some nice entertainment um, targeted for engineers and makers, uh, check out our videos. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and um, you know, last time we discussed how to actually email me, and I just just to, just so you know, Max, I, you can now email info at jeremyscook.com. Oh, very and good. And it is now an active. I think I think I registered uh, questions. I, I registered for some other stuff. So, you know, if you just what think of something got? to email. Uh, I don't remember. I think hello at jeremyscook.com. Hi at jeremyscook.com. I think maybe questions. Uh, you know, I, I just it's just so easy to register a, a, a uh, email address when you own a domain name. It's pretty, pretty yeah, fun, actually. I don't find it that easy. I, I've got one domain. I get emails for it, but I don't know who hosts it. I don't know if I pay for this. I can't find anything on my credit card that says I'm still paying for this. So uh, I don't know what's happening there. Have to talk to your accountant, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, John, for being our guest, and uh, it was very interesting, you know, finding out about the industrial applications for, uh, yeah, our, our make electronics. And uh, we wish you all the best. Thank you, and, and thanks, guys, yeah, for thanks having so me. Much. Yeah, thank you so much.